This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co-owning Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crate Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. I want to keep this intro short because the episode runs long. I am joined today by Naturally Mona Lisa, repeat guest, fellow mixed Asian content creator, fellow comic book nerd uh, go check out naturally mona lisa on instagram and on youtube uh, she does her shows are about natural cleaning supplies hair care products uh, skin care supplies uh, because as a person that suffers from eczema she wanted to know what to use that was all natural and safe uh, so she reviews and talks about those products she also showcases her learning multiple languages at the same time uh, she also translates with other people. She translates BLM content into Cantonese uh, to try to help reduce the barrier that uh, Cantonese speakers have to understanding what is going on with Black Lives Matter here in the United States, which I think is awesome. We are also co-creators along with Asian Soph and Rohan Jolie on a Black Asian Solidarity Workshop that we, I guess, debuted at the Midwest mixed conference back in August and we're hoping to you know continue to shape it and form it and release it um, in the future in other venues as well yeah so naturally Mona Lisa she came back to chat with me about the Marvel movie Shang-Chi so yet again this is not a regular episode of Militantly Mixed because we're not talking about an individual mixed race experience but I thought both as, well, for me as a nerd, but also as a person of mixed Asian heritage, I wanted to speak to other Asians about how they felt about the Asian representation that is in Shang-Chi. And even though um, like that my Asian mix is Japanese, um, I still feel a sense of representation with this movie. And I'm excited to see an Asian superhero in, in the form that, you know, in almost any form. <laughs> Um, but specifically, what I'm excited about with Marvel introducing Shang-Chi to the MCU is that we have an Asian superhero that is not going to be viewed at, treated, or looked at as an exotic other. Um, I think they really did a great job of making uh, Shang-Chi fit into the superhero role in the same level, energy, and experience as T'Challa, Black Panther, uh, Iron Man, Thor. Like I, I think I think they did a great job of doing that. And I wanted to talk to other um, 
actually, I still want to talk to a lot of other Asian folks about how they feel, especially especially nerds that have read comics before, too. The, the connection between the problematic past of comic book characters of color that were created by white people in the past and, and what they've done to address those issues in the comics now and how they're addressing those characters that have those difficult origins in the movies today. Uh, but naturally, Mona Lisa and I got into that on this episode. And um, the biggest thing that I realized in this process of looking for people to talk to about this is that um, my nerd circle is predominantly black. I got a couple white nerd friends too. I don't have as many Asian nerd friends, or at least... If I do, that's not how we engage. So, yeah, I was able to talk about this movie with a bunch of people, but oddly enough, I've only able to talk about this movie with one person that also shares Asian heritage, and that is Mona Lisa for the episode um, that you're about to hear. I do have a few other things I want to talk about, but I don't want the intro to be too long because um, the, the discussion runs long. But one thing that I want to address is that Throughout the course of this conversation, while we do mention Aquafita as being an actor in this movie, and we talk about the good job that they did in this movie, we failed to really discuss Aquafina's problematic past with her um, cultural appropriative character of Aquafina, the character Aquafina that she plays. Um, her real name is Nora. She is of Chinese and Korean heritage. She grew up in Queens, and she grew up with white adjacency. But the character she created of Aquafina was a way of getting friends and attention and things like that. She has talked about that in the past. Um, so she adopts that black accent or black scent and, um, and stuff. And, and because she is an Asian person, she got attention because of it. She doesn't address this in a very satisfactory way, to be honest. And I, I don't have an excuse as to why it didn't come up in our conversation. I think we were both so excited about the movie itself. And honestly, she does such a good job in her role that it erased me thinking of her that way while I watched it. Um, I have had a couple conversations about her in Shang-Chi with her past in the process, but I just never got around to it. Honestly, I, 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 I can't. I can't make an excuse. I don't know. It just didn't come up until very, very towards the end after we had already been running long. And so we talked a little bit about it offline. So I only say that here to say that I'm acknowledging that is a failing on my part that I didn't bring it up, um, especially as the host of the show. I should have been, I should have led us into that conversation a little bit um, since Mona Lisa and I both are of black and Asian heritage, but, um, but it was a failing on my part. We mostly just talked about the Asian representation, the Asian American representation, undoing certain stereotypes, how they dealt with certain Asian stereotypes that exist here in America, things like that. And so... You know, that that was the focus of the conversation and we, we didn't get around to discussing Aquafina. I could talk about it in a future episode or I will probably talk about it on Blurred Comics, my other show. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that I did. I do think of it as a bit of a failing on my part, but I don't have an excuse for it. If you've tried to email the show in the last about 12 days, so today is September 12th, um, 
I have had a problem with my email server that finally got resolved today. I have been able to send emails, but I haven't been able to receive emails, which is so weird. And I finally figured out that no one was replying to my messages about being a guest on the show. <laughs> I got a little sensitive and realized that it wasn't me. It was my email server. So that's been fixed. So if you have sent an email since September 1st, um, please resend it because I didn't get it and I'm not going to get it even now that it's been fixed. Um, it's not going to backdate. Uh, the items and uh, yeah I have a couple other things to bring up but I want to save it for later because I really want to get into this episode so without further ado please join me in welcoming our return cousin to the Military Mix podcast naturally Mona Lisa and go follow her on Instagram and YouTube joined by a longtime cousin of the show, Mona Lisa, uh, a.k.a. Naturally Mona Lisa on the YouTubes and the interwebs. Um, And we are going to we decided to get together to chat about Shang-Chi as mixed Asian people and also nerds um, that are really into comics and comic book stories and things like that. So thank you for coming back to chat with me about Shang-Chi. This is exciting. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I'm all game. I'm all about superheroes, reading comics. And this is, it was a great weekend to be able to finally watch it after, you know, being postponed by the pandemic for so long. So it's really great to finally be able to watch it. I, um, so, I mean, it's no secret on the show that I'm a big comic book fan and the fact that I've moved out of state just to open up a comic book shop, like I'm about this mm-hmm. life. Um, I am, I, 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 I don't care if someone becomes interested in comic book characters because they watch movies or if they're mm. comic book readers who like movies and read comics. I don't care how you approach comic book geekdom i i am not mm-hmm. here to to judge or put people down because i see that happens a lot with uh so-called comic book fans um actually like treating people who are fans of the movies less but i feel like the fact that we read comic books we have a certain level of knowledge that other yeah. people don't and we can folks you know we, we we actually have other types of source material that we are aware of yeah and you know that can be that may be difficult for people that only watch the movies or shows to understand. Like, I feel like our geek is like another level because we also read right. comics. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I um, I say that first part just to say, because I, I have talked to a few people um, and I've done a few I- interviews and things like that about comic related things. And um, I can tell that the way they're approaching me is because they've watched the movies and they're assuming uh, that movie is, is canon. Um, and uh, so I, I want to put it out there to say that I, I really don't care how someone access it. If it gets people interested in comics and comic book characters, I'm here for it. That being said, as a comic book fan and a comic book reader and now a comic book shop owner, um, mm-hmm. 
I, I, I know that we can provide background and things like that, especially like how it fits in the universe uh, of Marvel or anything like that, um, that we, that we can share too. Mm -hmm. The difference here is until they started to do, until they announced that they were going to be doing a Shang-Chi movie, I was only peripherally aware of the character. Um, mostly because me too. Yeah. Like mostly because of the Mandarin. I remember the Mandarin from from mm. being a child and being like, oh, this is giving me like mm. um, yeah. and the whole Fu Manchu thing. And it's just OK. Mm-hmm, All right. mm-hmm. okay. So mm-hmm. one thing that I always say about Marvel is that um, Marvel does try to address its problematic past and make adjustments while still trying to hold to. Um, not trying to erase what they did. You know, they're they're not like, oh, you know, we're just gonna delete that and hide, you know, hide mm-hmm. from our history. Um, they they actively try to address it in different things. And what I'm less familiar with because I've only recently just started to read um Shang-Chi books is um I don't know how they did it yet in the transition of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know what they did for the movie because I've been listening mm-hmm. to the director and the writer and, and Simu also talking um, about doing this movie. So I feel like they Marvel and I know this to be the case on the black side, too, because I was um, very aware of what they were doing when they were creating Black Panther, too, and, and how they were addressing things from the past and letting black people take control of the story and the creative universe um, surrounding mm-hmm. Wakanda and Black Panther. And they've done the same with Shang-Chi. Uh, so why don't we get into why don't you tell a little bit? Why don't you just do a little bit of background about your level of fandom and, and your actual point and then and then we can get into it. Level of fandom. Well, like my interesting comics and superhero. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, how, how do you geek, basically? How do I geek? Well, I geek the hardest for Batman. I've read and watched Batman the longest since I was a kid. Um, I've watched all the Batman movies from 1989, 1997. God bless the George Clooney's version. And what? <laughs> oh my gosh, we got to get into that on another episode. I'm going to move over to the yes. other show. <laughs> that, that, that one has a lot of debate on that. But anyways, and then the and the highly acclaimed, you know, the trilogy by you know Christopher Nolan. Um, so I'm I geek out pretty much a lot on you know Batman. And there's those comic book um, story arcs that um, as a Batman fan you always cherish, like the 1999 one where the the, the issue where the Joker shot Barbara. And then 1993 issue where um, uh, Bane broke his back. Um, and then the story arc with, you know, um, Gotham, you know, got hit by an earthquake. And these different issues, you know, these are like the the, the ones that, you know, we cherish. Those, those are the highlights, I guess, over the years. Um, and then they did the new, um, the new 52, like a re-ramp of the Batman story, um, you know, 10 years ago. So that one, I mostly read that. And then I went into like Justice League, Wonder Woman, especially recently with the two Wonder movies. So I started to read a lot of Wonder Woman. And then um, and then Marvel, I, I like um, Spider-Man. I like Doctor Strange. Um, and also for, for um, Avengers, um, I also read that. And I also went before Avengers, 
two came infinity part two came out i went out and, and read all the comic books that has reference on infinity war on thanos on um all of that like i read probably 10 or 20 issues just to get some hints like yeah. how how are we gonna get these people back <laughs> and the movie came out and it wasn't what i saw in the comics but hey it's all so, right, you know. So this is how it becomes really obvious if someone is a movie fan versus the comic book fan is because they'll talk with very like absolutes about things that happen in the, in the movie, you know, or some, you know, it'll be something like, well, we all know they're going to be trapped in the soul stone and all going to be released, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, which will make it obvious that, you know, there's different ways in which this would have happened in the, in the comics. Um, what I love about the MCU is that it gives us, it doesn't give us like, panel for panel book for book story mm. so that those mm. of us who are comic book fans can still have so surprises enjoy it. and still can mm. enjoy it and stuff like that um but there are some things that marvel in particular gives us that like they'll tell they're telling the story for everybody but they're hitting us with these little things for the fan like the comic book fan mm. so mm -hmm. one of the big ones in endgame would be captain america holding molnir for the first time um for saying avengers assemble you know things like that um like they they give us these moments because those are things that we want to see mm -hmm. um happen uh th like that we've seen a panel for and we've fallen in love with a particular panel and they'll try to mimic it and stuff like that so they usually drop little things like that that are for us um i like the way uh trevor noah says it on um uh, the host of the daily show is when um when they're speaking in cosa um he says he goes that's for me that's not for you like like you know i that that made i'm sitting in the if i'm sitting in the seat and they give me a moment like that that's for me and you know all of you will just get to hear it and whatever but they did that for me and i feel like they do that also with a lot of different things for the for the fans like getting a chance to see uh cap hold molnir and all that kind of stuff um so getting into a brief summary of what Marvel in particular has done with the MCU since Iron Man is that basically Marvel, I think they started out hoping they can get to Avengers mm -hmm. and by introducing each individual character, you know, main character, the, the major trilogy of characters. From 2008, 2008 started with Iron Man. Yeah. And then we have on the Hulk, and then we have Captain Thor, America. We have Captain America. You know, it wasn't until this year we had Black Widow which I kind of glad they finally had one just for her uh, since, you know, one of the six. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like they should have actually done a hybrid movie similar to Falcon and Winter Soldier, but for Hawkeye and, um, mm. and Black Widow and address the whole. Yeah, the, the backstory. Yeah. So I mean, we do know in the comic books they do hook up, but they never really did in the movies. And they don't in the movies. Got... They're just BFFs in the movies. Yeah, and, and she actually kind of hooked up with the Hulk and in Avengers yeah. too. So. so again, that goes back to like the thing about comics is that they don't have to be exactly the same every time and they'll, you know, redo canon or they'll redo continuity from time to time. And in this case, it was like, you know, let's just have Scarlet has some good chemistry with Mark. Let let Hulk and, and Scarlet or Hulk mm -hmm. and Black Widow come together. Um, I would have hated 
Black Widow and Hawkeye as a couple in the movies because of those two particular actors. But I didn't hate Scarlett's and Mark's um, chemistry. Uh, so I liked the fact that they just had a platonic friendship that was about like, you saved my life and gave me a new life and now we're best friends and I care about your wife and your kid and your kids and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I really, I actually appreciate that dynamic. Um, because I'm very pro um, what I refer to as romantic friendships. Like they're platonic, mm. but it's someone that you want to do for. Like you, you're just so down. Well, well going to into Shang-Chi that we just watched this weekend, the main character, Shang-Chi and his friend, they never really like kissed or like, they're not um, yeah. you know, they ended up still being best friends. Yeah, I, I do love that. So I do want to say just at the start of this, for anybody who's listening, there are going to be spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't watched it yet and you're not one of those diehards that have been wait like just on day one, show one, got to see the movie, mm-hmm. you can not listen to this until next week or whenever you see it. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk about spoilers because um, mm-hmm. there's no way to get around some of, some of the mm-hmm. things. So let me just do a brief synopsis of of Shang-Chi as as it pertains to the MCU, so not connected to the books necessarily themselves, is that Shang-Chi is the story of a the child of basically a thousand year old villain. And he has been trained from a very young age to be an assassin and to ultimately take over the organization known as the Ten Rings, in which we have had hints of the Ten Rings throughout the MCU and um, and basically it gets course corrected because it gets used kind of not great in earlier movies. So they course corrected the Ten Rings in the in the Shang-Chi movie. Um, he's set up to be an assassin. He ends up leaving his father for a period of time and just living his life in San Francisco and becomes essentially an Asian American. So this is while it is a story that that has its origins in China, it is essentially an Asian American story um, as in terms of how the movie uh, portrays the main characters. Um, and everything like that. And we basically enter the enter the world in which Sean, which is what he goes by in, in America, um, Sean and his best friend Katie are two uh, Chinese Americans that are just chilling in, in San Francisco and they are... Um, Ballet Parker. Ballet Parker. And they like their job. So I want to get into, I I don't want to forget, we are going to address how they undo Asian American stereotypes very subtly in this movie. And being Ballet Parkers is one of those things I want to I want to hit on. So they're just walking around as Ballet Parkers in, in San Francisco, being best friends. They love karaoke and hanging out. And they are just they are the best of best friends, which I really do love that we didn't necessarily need a romantic um, story between mm-hmm. them. Because, again, I'm really pro friendship in in these types of things. I think we put I think in movies and cinema in general and all kinds of media, we put too much emphasis on on um, romance and sex partner relationships over how meaningful a, a lifelong friend is. And in this case, I think they they do portray that with Katie and um, and Sean, uh, Sean and Katie, best friends. Uh, something happens. 
that makes Katie now aware of Shang-Chi's past and who he actually is. And then their adventure ensues and they end up going back um, to China to be reunited with Shang-Chi's actual family. And there's the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so that's where we're at when we meet Sean. (laughs) We meet a shirtless Sean waking up from um, (laughs) waking up from a bad dream about his family. And we basically get shirtless again later just he gets shirtless so, back later. Um, so we can talk a little bit about the story or we can address representation and stereotypes early mm-hmm. on wh- however you what do you want to do what do you want to talk about first we, we can jump in the story first okay. already talking to the story um so i think in terms of how shang chi fits in um the marvel universe itself um i love that it's a self-contained story that you're not sitting here the whole time going where are the avengers or who's left you know like you're not worried the entire time Mm -hmm. about what's going on which is actually something that has been a problem with some marvel movies in the past like iron man 3 the whole time you're like this isn't big enough for another character to just roll up in and be like hey you need some help you know there's there's certain things that have to do like when you're used to people as an ensemble and then you give them their individual movie there has to be a contained enough thing that it really isn't that big of a deal to have another character and i think mm-hmm. they did that here um because it wouldn't have made sense for randomly an avenger to pop up and be like hey you, you're having some problems over here um mm-hmm. no they did kind of allude to the you know being part of the Avengers at a post-credit scene. In a post-credit scene, right? I, 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 we, you know, which if you watch the movie, stay a little longer and watch that scene. And because there's two, there's two, there's a mid-credit scene and there's a post-credit scene. And I get it. Some people are just done with the experience, but the entire movie experience is trailers to the end of the credits. I don't care if there's mm-hmm. something at the end. Don't of the leave. Stay there and watch the whole stay, thing. Pay attention. Well, like in a Marvel movie, you definitely want to stay to the end of the credits because Mm -hmm. there's usually a post scene. But um, but generally, like as a person who's worked in the film industry and even before that, my family always stayed to the end because that was the experience. We wanted to know where things were shot. We wanted Mm -hmm. to know what music was in movies. But more than that, because I had an interest in film early on, we would look at the jobs which I think is also a very Asian thing we could talk about here. Um, We would look at what the jobs were so that we could see what was the things that I was going to be interested in doing in the future. I knew I wanted to make movies, but you know, you don't always know what that means. You think that means actor, director, writer, and you probably don't know that there's usually 200 to 500 people working on a Mm -hmm. a film set. And there's a lot of different jobs that you can have. And so Mm -hmm. that was actually something that my Japanese side of the family kind of instilled in me when we would go to the movies they would be like do you know what a best boy is and then we would go try to find out later what and this is pre-internet because I'm older than all y'all um we would have to go and try to find out like what what a best boy was or you know what an assistant director was or what was a first unit versus a second unit and and things like that so um I am a I am the person who thinks that you don't deserve a movie if you don't stay till the end of the credits, regardless of if there's a post credit scene. But mm-hmm. specifically because this is a Marvel movie, there are two mm-hmm. credit scenes. One is mid roll. One is post. So stay to the fucking end, because that was infuriating yeah. the second time <laughs> that I saw that. I, movie. <laughs> I do also want to point out that um, and I do want to point this out because the guy sitting next to me at the movie theater was so annoyed. I was livid. <laughs> I was in it, but he wasn't. Mm. The first 10 minutes of this movie is in Mandarin. Mm. And I was actually pleasantly surprised and kind of excited that, wow, they actually committed 
a Marvel Hollywood movie committed to having the first 10 minutes all in Mandarin. Right. Let's just jump in. The first sentence was in Mandarin up until like, you know, um, he wakes up in his bedroom in um, um, in San Francisco. It's the whole, his backstory or the yeah. beginning of his life. Beginning. And there was so much Mandarin that this guy sitting next to me got very frustrated and turned to me. I guess no. I look. And then said, is this whole movie going to be in Chinese? Should I leave? <laughs> and I, I looked up and said, no, you can't see the, the, the subtitles. The subtitles are huge. Yeah. Read them. Yeah. So I looked at him like, come on now. Like, for real? So he did stare at the end to the end. But I, I could tell the guy next to me, you know, was very frustrated about that. But anyways, I... So this is this is very annoying because I think, um, unlike Black Panther, which opened with accented English, mm. so African insect accented English in telling a mini part of that story in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, they did lace Kosa all the way through the movie here and there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Opening right out the gate, coming out of the gate with Mandarin, it was like, this is a this is an Asian story. Mm-hmm. This is a specific Chinese story. The characters are going to be in America, but when they're not in America... Mm-hmm. With well, the we exception of Chinese. later on, there it's a, mm-hmm. it goes back and forth between English yeah. and stuff like that. But when they're not in America, you're going to get this Mandarin. <laughs> you're going to get this language. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an important thing because also um, the more access to hearing languages that is not mm-hmm. your natural language, the, the less foreign it becomes, right? The less, um, mm-hmm. the thing that makes foreignness scary to people or uncomfortable or maddening to people. Uh, so do you do you remember that movie that came out last year called Minari? It is a Korean American story in the Midwest, but most of the movie was in Korean. Oh, I but they didn't, the, um, I believe the Golden Globes didn't allow it to enter as an American movie, because but place it, it as a form because more than half of the movie was in Korean, even though it's an American person that produced the movie. Mm. And, it's, and it's a Korean American story. Like this family is a real family that came from, uh, from Korea, went to the Midwest to start their own life. So, um, so you have stuff like this where, you know, people, you know, they, a lot of people, they still have problems hearing non-English on the screen. And they hear when it's not English, oh, this is foreign. This is not Hollywood. The the crazy thing is it depends on on the the otherness of the people that the, that are being represented because the and I, I remember this from childhood, the opening of the hunt for Red October, which is a, um, a movie based off of a book that has to do with the, the same character, the Jack Ryan character from like Patriot mm. Games and stuff like that. The opening of the movie is in Russian and mm. they're on a Russian submarine. And as it zooms into the main character or as it zooms into the character speaking, it gets close to their faces. And when it backs away, it switches from Russian to English. And it's your way of, of it's their way of showing you we're still speaking Russian on this ship, but now you can understand us. So it goes from translated subtitled Russian 
to a zoom into the character and then a pull back in English. And it was just, I, I always thought about this, especially as a film like nerd or geek type of person. I always thought that that was a great way of letting people know where, where somebody, like who these people are and where they come from, mm-hmm. but giving it accessibility to Americans. Now, as a, as a grown person, I'm like, read the damn subtitles. <laughs> it's not that hard. Like it's, yeah. I mean, okay, if you don't have any reading issues, it's not that mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. I understand that there's different levels of literacy and different speeds at which people read and stuff like that. And reading movies can be very frustrating. I, I understand that. But in terms of the masses, that would, you you should just be able to, to handle it a little mm-hmm. bit. Because guess what? There are tons of movies that you are missing out on because you're resistant to listening to a language that's not yours. So in the case of Hunt for Red October, it was heralded as this like very creative way of introducing a language and da 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 mm. whatever and getting it back into English. But also Russians are white. So was it as a big of a problem? Because there's a lot of movies that we actually hear Russian or French or German laced in Mm -hmm. that you don't hear a whole lot of people saying, you know, I wish that movie about Nazis didn't have so much German in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But if it's a movie that showcases Mm. different brown people (laughs) that have different languages, you Mm -hmm. tend to hear this frustration of just like subtitled movies are so difficult. I mean, if that were mm-hmm. true, then half of the white teenage population that's in anime would wouldn't function. But but, you know, there is the generation of people that really are frustrated with that. And I, I loved it. But I also kind of wish that there were I understand why they have to put it mostly in English. But I wish there mm-hmm. were more moments in which it would go back and forth, like even in just broken, the broken wig. So like one thing that they did, which I think was a very much like an, a, an Asian family dynamic thing is when one, re- one relative spoke in a Chinese and, 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 mm-hmm. one and they respond in English. Yep. At the, at the, at the, at the table, the breakfast yeah. table. And my yes. family does that too in Japanese, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we know, if we understand what is happening, we can answer back in English, but we may not be comfortable answering in Japanese or vice versa, you know. So that is something I think that is a very, um, very much a product of, I, I think it's very relatable to those of us that that grew up here in the States that have an Asian family is there was moments like that, that it wasn't it wasn't thrown at people. It was just actually how we live um, mm-hmm. in the and there was certain things like that that um that weren't very heavy handed in addressing the fact that we're listening to that we're watching an Asian family or anything like that. But it was so much like it was one of those moments where I was like, that's for us. Mm-hmm. Like the creative team did that for us because they know we all have that experience of um, one family member speaking in one language and the other one, one. you know, answering back in English. Um yeah. So I really, I really do. I, I, I do like that. Uh, bef- before we talk about some of the stereotypes, this, I really want to get into how they unstereotyped things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did a really great job. The first one was the valley parking attendant. The valley parking thing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. So the, the my biggest thing about um, about them being valet drivers is, is not only that they were valet drivers, but that they had talent in their drive, or at least Katie, I guess, is the only one we get to see it. She has some, she has some insane talent in her driving. You'll see her drive later in the movie, too, guys. She will. And so it's one of these things where, like, Asians in America have this bad driver stereotype. Especially women. Especially, Especially women. women. 
at the same time, we also have Asians are race car drivers or speed car drivers or tricked out car drivers. So we're either the worst drivers or we do stunt driving. You know, like, it's like it doesn't make sense. It's this like opposing stereotypes. But mm-hmm. but Shang-Chi doesn't give us a moment to feel any kind of way. We go straight into like insane excitement katie's eyes like i'm gonna drive the hell out of this car mm-hmm. and shang being like no we don't want to get in trouble we don't want to lose our jobs to complete stunt driving and that car doesn't have a scratch on it and then later on she drives a bus and keeps people alive and later on she drives another car in another stunt type of way and keeps everybody going just fine because i didn't even realize until you just said that we actually don't see Shang-Chi drive. We see only Katie drive. Yeah, so we only have an Asian woman driver mm-hmm. in the movie. So that's pretty solid. Um, I really like that. So that was one thing that I thought they did really, really well. Um, and it was the, I, I also, I, I love that they gave us moments that a lot of us that are Asian American kids or, or generate, you know, like either first or second generation Americans can, can, relate to like yeah okay everybody knows at this point we all take our shoes off <laughs> outside mm-hmm. of the house. we get that but if it wasn't there it would stand out so yeah and they even zoomed in to him taking the shoes off before walking in right you know that so, that was like they they did that the right way like we we know it would have stand out if he hadn't done that and all that kind of stuff so so that that was that was good but even just the idea of like your friend that comes into the house and the mother just hands them a bowl (laughs) and it's just like you know that kind of like even that it was just like you've been you're this adopted friend family Mm -hmm. member that just gets to come in you call your friend's grandparents or mother and father auntie uncle grandma you know whatever Mm -hmm. um you get your bowl you sit there and eat but one of the things that i really loved is that even while katie was being sort of, I guess, like talked down to by her mother and she was ready to leave. Sean still finished his food before mm-hmm. he left because he's like, that. <laughs> I know that you're going to get in trouble, but I need to finish this bowl so I don't get yelled at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I feel like there were different things like that that happened that I feel like only an Asian writer would have written it in and known that we would pick up on what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm talking about this, I am generalizing, of course, but I'm talking about sort of the crossover of things that happens, at least I'll say in East Asia. I, I, I don't want to claim that this movie is representative mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. Asians, but um, there's at least crossover enough that even though it's a Chinese story as a mixed Japanese, I could relate to a lot of the things that that they had um, in the film as well. Um, yeah. So that there was just little moments like that. There was just so they were so subtle and so sweet, I guess, too, um, that I really appreciated that care. I, I really don't feel like anything stood out terribly as like, oh, they just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like they had people on deck or they, you know, they had enough people around that were explaining um, what was going on, even as they do things like, yeah, they went to karaoke and they call no, it. That's, that's, a, that's a typical Asian stereotype. It's a I very typical say, thing. You know, that was so. probably the most standout thing. And also the fact that they call it karaoke. 
Like we've just adopted the fact that that's how Americans say it. So that's how mm-hmm. it's said when that's not mm-hmm. how we would say it back or that's not how my family would say mm-hmm. it back home and stuff like that. Um, but that, but how do, you, that, how do you say it? How do you say it? Like karaoke. Yeah, Cantonese is karaoke. Yeah. So, cause we have the, we have, I guess in that respect, we have the similar A sound and, mm-hmm. and that too. So um, A vowel sound. Um, but yeah, like that, there's that, but I, but also I think that's realistic too. Like, mm-hmm. a, like no Chinese American kid is going to call it karaoke just on behalf of other Asians, you know, like I, <laughs> I get, I get it. So I don't freak out about stuff like that because that, that also mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. natural. Um, there's also the, the Asian stereotype one because they were on the bus and they're staring at another Asian girl that was doing her paper on yeah. the bus. Yeah. yeah. But even that, they were addressing it, right? Like, like Katie was saying, like, that's the kind of person that my mom wants me to be. My mom wants me to be. Mm -hmm. And that that is a thing. Like, that is a thing within our community about the, you know, drive to higher education, all this other kind of stuff. And this this discussion that a lot of us mixed or Asians or Asian American mixed Asian kids will talk about. Like I did that thing. I went to Berkeley. I got the big degree. I just want to drive this car. I don't want to do the things related to to this thing. Um, and so therefore I am a disappointment. And I think that that was even that that was also something that wasn't necessarily for the white audience that was kind of speaking to us like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your mother loves you. Yeah, she would rather you be a very driven mm-hmm. student or something like that than a valet driver. But um, I even feel like that was something that they they put in as a for us thing, because um, I don't think it was it wasn't glaring enough for like other Americans to walk out of there and be like, oh, man, Chinese are really tough on their kids, you know, <laughs> like, I don't think that necessarily yeah. would have been the thing. Ask you, you know, there are two scenes. There's a one scene in the beginning and one's at the end of the movie before they left with Wong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where um, Shang-Chi and Katie they meet with this couple mm-hmm. at dinner and talking about their lives. And mm-hmm. there's this contrast from you know, they had the meeting before they went on to this adventure and there's a meeting at the end. Mm-hmm. What do you think the significance of this meeting with this couple? I think that was just a way to give a shorthand of exposition without having to um, to get. It was a way of get, letting us understand why um, Shang and um, Katie weren't romantic. I think mm. by in the beginning giving us a she just came in and saved me and we became friends ever since kind of a thing. So then that way you're not the whole movie going, but why won't they kiss? But why won't they kiss? But then also their friend, which seems to be middle Asian and she's married to a Caucasian person. No, they, he, he read as right? he, he read as South Asian to me. That actor. Is, okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's so okay. So that couple, right? Especially the woman mm-hmm. seems very like looking down on this. Well, you know, I grew up. I grew up. I became a yeah. lawyer. This is a lawyer or something. Something like, like that. You guys are still parking. Yeah. You know. So I, I find that composition interesting. That has changed from at the end of the movie when like wow. they're like save the world basically mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i think what's what's happening there is also really interesting too because i think what we're seeing is a um a asian that ended up behaving right you know the child of an immigrant that behaved correctly against 
these two that ne- aren't necessarily behaving correctly, quote, 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 mm. um, and seeing, you know, seeing what that dynamic is, because there is an intense amount of pressure within the Asian immigrant children of immigrant communities, Mm -hmm. there's an insane amount of pressure that that we as children of these families um, deal with. And some of us stay on track and some of us don't. And it's that divide between how your family. And I think that is a way of showing uh, showing us that that exists in them, Mm -hmm. that that was their dynamic. Um, She grew up. They didn't. And then the flip of it is is showing, look, you don't have to follow a particular path. You can still do amazing things if you go a different way. So I think that's what we're getting with yeah. those things. What I do love, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, what I do love about this movie is that with the exception of Razor Arm or Razor Fist guy, there's no significant white people in this movie. There's no significant any anything but Asian in this movie. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though the, the white guy is kind of a second hand, a second in line. No, he's not even a second in line. He doesn't read like a second in line. He's a henchman. He reads like a number one. Yeah. He's like a number one henchman. He's not a leader, but he's, and he's Mm -hmm. the number one henchman. Um, he, everybody who did anything with purpose in this movie was an Asian purpose. Mm. And that I think was the most amazing thing they could do um, because we didn't ever have a white savior. We didn't ever have a mm. person to come in and give us the solution to the problem. Mm. Mm. Um, and ultimately that white person was control, like, you know, he was humble. He was humble that way. Yes. yes, exactly. So I think that there, mm-hmm. there are things like that that they did in terms of the pure representation of um, because there are so many things like the emasculation of Asian men or the, um, you know, the somehow we are these masters of Kung Fu and Karate, but we somehow are also the weakest people thing that gets that gets used as over and over and over again as stereotypes that this movie did not exhibit any of you know mm-hmm. yeah shang chi had to find his strength over time but that's the journey that's the hero's journey he had to go from a low place to a high place to achieve his goal um but he was never whooped back into shape basically by like an all-knowing all-powerful white person which tends mm-hmm. to happen in a lot of a lot of movies mm-hmm. so i thought that was great and because even ben kingsley who comes back that as- oh um i i hope if if you haven't watched the movie that, that is a spoiler but oh my gosh it was he so up. like he's back He's so back and he's just chewing up the scenery, which I just love. But even I if he went anywhere, like, okay, that's the Indian Iron Man 3. No, he, he came back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that they, because that, that was the question everybody had going into this, is how are you going to reconcile the fact that you had a character playing the Mandarin as a fake mm-hmm. character uh-huh. with the rings in the background, mm-hmm. But now you're actually going to have the actual the Mandarin, you know, Um, so I really loved how they addressed it. And I love that they addressed it separately, that like family dinner where family dinner, he said, yeah, this guy was playing me like people have given me many names. Oh, yeah, we found this guy that was just faking me. And yeah. then later on, they found him. When you actually see him. And he's great, too, because he's also an Asian man. Like, you know, he, I mean, he is British, <laughs> but, he is, but, he is, but he is Indian. So yeah. um, to have 
again, to have yet another person who mm-hmm. plays a role, you know, a role of somewhat significance, but isn't an isn't a white person. Yeah, I know him from playing Gandhi in the movie many yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he I guess he gets a lot of uh, white adjacency because he's got the British accent and he grew up mm-hmm. you know, in England and everything like that. But, you know, he is and he is of Indian heritage. So he's mm-hmm. in the same way that we have to deal with being mixed mm-hmm. and half. And if, if that's enough, he he absolutely had to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do I do really like that part. Um, what do you so let's talk about the romance part of it, because there is the thing about a mom and dad the romance and kung fu around that moment the 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 romance of of anything like the the parents like that was such a sexy scene that that was nice without any overtly kissing or you know it wasn't it wasn't like overly gratuitous or anything elegantly elegantly done it was beautiful and it was so funny too because you're like don't make me like this villain because he sees this Mm -hmm. woman like you amaze me and i'm about this you know like um it was so it was so sweet but it's also very much a nod to a lot of like the older um like the wushu movies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um which i guess aren't that old they're only 20 years old but they they were giving you those vibes and stuff like that um and so, you know, people did talk about, like, why doesn't Shang-Chi have a romantic interest? But that's like, let's build up who he is as a character before we worry about whether or not he has a love interest. Cap had a love interest from the start. Iron Man gained his love interest, but she had been around from the start. Like, I get it. People like that kind of stuff. But that they that they allowed the parents to be the romantic part of the movie. That and they was- gave Shang just like they just let Shang-Chi be his, him. Yeah. his own guy i actually appreciated way more but also because i like that dynamic of a of a really close friend that that like will get on the plane with no context like mm-hmm. i'm here to support your life because you're my friend um so mm-hmm. i like it but i do i really do like how the parents fell in love because it's such a it's so uh, it's not like oh you're so hot i love you now it's like oh you have a talent and you're better than me at this and i love you now <laughs> mm-hmm. but i really like that i thought that was cute that was sweet yeah. um, i also like that uh the younger sister xiaoling Xiao uh she, uh, she and uh they, he found him in macau being like the boss mm-hmm. of a fighting ring and i want to bring that up because um even now it's a little better now but um women's rights Mm-hmm. It's not it's there's still a big struggle with women's rights across many Asian countries. Right. So it's really nice to see an Asian a, a female boss. You're right. You know, um in, in the movie. So and, and she owned it too. She didn't ever go damsel. Just mm. something mm. That Wonder Woman does become a damsel, which is mm. so ridiculous in these movies because you're literally stronger than the dude you're asking to help you mm-hmm. right now. Like this is stupid. Um but with um with uh, with her, she didn't, she never had that moment. Like, even when she got hurt, she got back up. Like, she didn't mm-hmm. have one of those weak moments. Yeah, so. and she clearly told her, her, her brother, like, I didn't need you then, I don't need you now. <laughs> I got this, yeah. No, I really I really like her. And I think, um, so So this is another divide that's something different from the comics than what happens in the movie. Um, they basically put Shang-Chi's five sisters into one person. Um, so she's going to be a complicated character as 
Shang-Chi two comes and all that kind of stuff. Um, Cause ultimately it didn't look like she was giving up the rings um, or in terms of the organization, mm-hmm, she has mm-hmm. the rings, the physical rings, but she has yeah. the 10 rings. Um, so, you know, she might be kind of a hybrid character for a period of time. She, but she might go dark too, because, mm-hmm. of, you know, pow, power and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I liked her whole deal. There was not a moment I didn't like her, how she owned a room or how she owned mm-hmm. a space or, or anything like that. I thought, I thought the character was great. Mm-hmm. And I, I also like how they address the complicated sibling relationship when, like in my family, we're, we're mostly girls. Mm-hmm. And so my brother is like the, my, like my, I, I it's me and my brother. My mom only has sisters. Mm-hmm. My grandmother has mostly sisters and one brother. And that mm-hmm. brother, and despite the fact that my grandmother was the oldest and also tested in the, into the highest level of university, the brother was the person who got to go to university because mm-hmm. he was the boy. Right. So this dynamic of like, the girl could be smarter and or more talented potentially, but mm-hmm. is overlooked that it, that it gets, it's again, it was another subtle part of the story that just happens, but it's not like screaming you in the face of like China do better. It was just more of just like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many ways in which movies mm-hmm. be addressing stereotypes as a way of saying, this is an attack on whatever um, culture is being represented. And in this case, I don't feel like that was happening. It was really more addressing, like, this is actually a real world thing that happens to, um, to us in which sometimes the, the female children are overlooked or end up not valued, um, in the same way that the, that the boy is, um, because look, he, he ultimately ends up being the hero. But if you look at it, she was doing a lot of goddamn work before, (laughs) before he got to hero. And even, at, at that point, she's instructing him to a degree, telling him what to tell him to go, go do the work and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that was also a very interesting thing to show us um, that that dynamic of like it's, it's hard to sometimes it's rough with your siblings, you know, mm-hmm. because one of them gets valued in a, in a weird way. Um, I'm wondering if they're trying to be realistic here, because. You know, it's fun fact. It wasn't until four years ago that you can have two kids in China. And it wasn't until last week or two weeks ago that now you can have three children in China. So maybe it would have come off as really weird if the, if they have, have, you know, that many siblings. Yeah. So maybe that's why they just, let's just condense it to like two kids, you know, a boy and a girl. (laughs) No, I agree. I think that's probably right. Cause also that's another thing about like when Shang-Chi was originally written, they were written by white people. When Black mm. Panther was originally wit- written, they were written by white people. And it mm. took decades until a person from a, either a person of color or a person from that that same group mm-hmm. could write those books. Like Black Panther doesn't get written by a black person until the 90s um, for the first time. Shang-Chi, I don't actually know. I that's actually something I should have looked up, but I think yeah. it's only recently that he's been up. by a person of color, you know, um, and I don't necessarily even know if he's been written by a Chinese person over just a person of color, because I think there's a lot of um, like Latinx people that are writing um Mm -hmm. characters that are but they're you know they're still being written by a brown person but they're not being written by a brown person from that 
ethnic group necessarily. Um, so actually, I don't know if Shang-Chi has ever been written outside of this movie um, mm-hmm. by um, an Asian person, let alone specifically a Chinese person. Um, how do you think it fits in terms of like, how would you rank it against any of the other Marvel movies? Cause I know you've seen them all. Oh man. I feel okay, like this, this, this. I'll give you two ways to rank it. Okay. How, how do you think it ranks overall across all the MCU movies? Okay. And separately, how do you think it rates it ranks as a Asian hero story. Mm. Asian hero story. Um, I think for MCU, I think it's, um, I think it's definitely up there. I would say maybe definitely top 10, maybe top five, but definitely top 10. I'm still can't get over with um, Thor and Ragnarok. I really like Thor and Ragnarok. It's so good. Uh, Yes, I really like Taika Waititi. You can't go wrong with that guy. You really kind of can't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, um, oh man, I like, I don't know if X-Men probably don't fit in, although X-Men... Let, is let's, we can speak specifically but, about, like, from yeah. Iron Man through to... Uh, yeah, I, I do... I did... I, I, like, the, I like the Captain... Um, Cap, Captain America origin movie. I did like that a lot. Um, I like the... I, I like the last two Infinity movies. You know, just the hype and build up on that, obviously. So I would say, you know, definitely top ten, maybe fifth or six up there. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. De- definitely. Definitely. I think Thor Ragnarok is still number one for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still, so good. It's so good. Still, I, I don't. No, I'm still having I'm, a hard time moving that one out of the top. I'm, I'm I'm actually looking forward to the Eternals coming out because you know I got comics from you. Mm-hmm. Check out Gulf Coast Comics. I got comics from you a, a few months ago on That's right. um, the on, on, on the Eternals because I'm reading to prepare for this movie to come out. No, who's so, sorry. Yeah. You know, so hopefully that movie also ranks pretty good too the black widow that came out this year it's okay i'm not hating it entirely but it wasn't bad but shang chi is definitely better hands down hands down so for a um a um asian american hero story um i would say oh I would I would say it's pretty up there too. I don't know. I don't um, want to make assumptions, but like because I, I specifically refer to it as I, I think it's more of an Asian American hero than an Asian hero necessarily. But I don't want to make mm-hmm. that assumption for you. Um, does it? Uh, because you, you, I mean, you're actually from you're actually born in Hong Kong. True. I, so the thing is, I do relate. I do relate to Shang Chi in that way because you know I came to America when I was 12 and he moved here when he was 14, yeah. you know, as a preteen or teenager, you know, and I feel like him in the movie, Shang-Chi does consider himself and the, the movie does address it many times. I've been here for 10 years, yeah. you know, so I'm practical American. Yeah, I kind of yeah, have yeah. that feeling too. I've been here for so long. I consider myself American, but, you know, I, I recognize I'm born somewhere else but i also recognize i'm an american now like a naturalized american sure, yeah of course you know so so you know um i think it's a i, I think in terms of an asian american like 
story. I think it's it's pretty pretty well done. And I also mentioned, you know, that other movie, the Miyari. Mm-hmm. I think you should check it out. Um, I did want to see it, but um, it was during COVID and there wasn't any mm-hmm. streaming for it that I yeah. could at the time. But, but that's, I, the, that's another Asian American story that okay. came out recently. That's also pretty good, too. So, And that has the guy know. that played Glenn from Walking Dead in there, right? Yes. Yes. So let's, yeah. let's, let's use that as, as one last thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. The Asian American male lead. <sighs> okay. We don't have many. We don't have many here in the States that we can go to as the go-to Asian American guy. So, okay. Recently we have, um, we have that guy from crazy rich Asians, Henry Golding. Right now he's um, half Asian, half British. Right. So he led crazy rich Asians. And then he went on to become, um, he, he went on to be on a romantic comedy called last christmas and then two months ago he became the lead in snake eyes yeah so um so recently we have this person that has been in the lead um and who else um i i've always watched jackie chan so Mm -hmm. you know i do consider him to be a lead when he you know we had the Rush Hour movies, and we had Shanghai Moon, Shanghai Night, and many other movies he was in. Um, so that's another one that comes to my head. Um, however, I feel like for for Asian or Asian American men, it tends to be either action or um, comedy, and it's I not like many it's romantic. If they are romantic, they are aligned with some kind of whiteness, which is why I think mm. Henry Golding gets to kind of mm. do that because he's got the British accent yeah. and can kind of um, I feel like he is erased as an Asian in movies mm. that he does here, um, except for Crazy Rich Asians, which um, that movie is very frustrating for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was necessarily mm-hmm. the Asian representation we want we we needed in uh, in mm-hmm. America. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one was tough, but yeah, you're right. It either goes like the comical Asian, like um, Ken uh, Ken Jong, um, yep. Doctor Ken, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they're like the action star like Jackie Chan, but you don't often get somebody who is an action star, but also a very masculine, probably attractive mm-hmm. to a lot of heterosexual people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they- Daniel Day Kim in Hawaii Five-0. Right. I almost him. forgot about him. Yeah, him also action though. He, also, also action that. too, but he, he gets, he gets, he gets called hot where Jackie Chan would never be called. No, he, that's true. Right. And, and hotness is different in Asia than it is here in the States. Um, you know, you're Mm -hmm. like when you're seeking out your male partner in different Asian countries, you're not looking necessarily for like, you're looking for someone that's cute, cute with good skin, good job. Mm-hmm. instability like those are the qualities that are like you seek or you're mm-hmm. you're trained to seek <laughs> um back home whereas here it is kind of a hotness thing first where with simu i kind of feel like you're getting you're getting an action yeah. star who's yeah. funny who's also kind of hot yeah he's in uh Com- kim's convenience, kim's convenience. On, netflix. Yeah. on netflix yeah, yeah. 
he's very he's very goofy and i um when i when i when i do like dudes i do like a goofy dude um but he's tall and muscular and all that kind of stuff so like mm-hmm. in terms of checking off the aesthetic boxes you know he's tall he's muscular he's mm-hmm. got abs you know he's mm-hmm. he can he can move his body and fight and all that kind of stuff all that kind of stuff is good um but he got it real hard from china they like the yes. press was rough I, I think i mentioned it to you too like yeah, they, yeah. their 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 vision of a hot and sexy guy is not, i guess is not not, not him not yeah. him I'm like, come on. Yeah. Really? And I think he's cute. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, I predominantly find, in terms of men, I predominantly find Black men attractive. That That's the people that I've been around most, the people that I find attractive most mm-hmm. often. I very rarely find white people attractive, although, like, I like Ryan Reynolds. But again, he's a goofy dude. So that's why mm-hmm. that I, I like him more for his goofiness than necessarily his, his whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had crushes on a couple of, of Japanese actors, um, that are, are they known here? Takeshi, I don't think I remember his name, but he's half Japanese and half Taiwanese. Um, it was pretty hot, like 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, but that's like, okay. the, I'll, I'll send you a link. Cause I know what movie he's in, but I can't think of his last name. Um, but I, there wasn't like a time period where I had just pictures of, of boys on my wall. And if I did that, they were all Asian necessarily. But I think with Simu, like people were kind of, well, I feel China was rough on them, but you know, aesthetics for Chinese um, attractiveness is different than Western. And so in terms of Western aesthetics, I think he, he hits those marks Mm -hmm. more so, even though he's full-blooded, yeah, yeah, yeah. um i think i think he he checks those boxes but also he's like obsessed with boy bands from the 90s and he wanted to be like that so that's that's his whole oh okay yeah okay. he wanted to be a backstreet boy when he was a teenager okay, okay. all right <laughs> i was i was actually doing all the research on other um other asian americans that have appeared in the mcu so obviously we had benedict wong that plays mm-hmm. wong Right. Wow. We also have um, Dave Bautista. He's half Filipino. Yeah. He plays Drax. Mm-hmm. And he's also the similar thing. Like he's a big build, but he's also funny, though. He plays, you know, a big yeah, he's muscular guy that's very powerful, but also funny. So also that funny aspect. And then you have, if you watch Spider-Man, the last two Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man's best friend is oh, his best friend's he's, Filipino. He's Filipino. Right. Also a funny guy. Right. And yep. you have um, you have a few women like Gemma Chen. Gemma, Gemma Chen. right? Oh my gosh, she season two, season two. She Marvel. has a gold had a Captain Marvel and the Eternals. Yeah. So. And then actually, Michelle Michelle Yeoh is in um, is in uh, Guardians too. She did have a cameo in there. Yeah, and then she, I guess she's in this movie, Shang Chi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. I so I shout out to Benedict Wong because I love that guy. I have loved that guy for years. He's a British actor. Um. So one thing I was upset. I think the show he was on on Netflix did him wrong because I, as my husband was watching that show on Polo. Mm-hmm. It's called Polo on on Netflix. He played Genghis Khan on that show on Netflix. Oh really? But they focus so much on the white guy, which is Michael Polo. 
Right. So that I feel like that show did again. That's that's long. exactly what I'm worried about. Every time there's a major a- Asian exactly. movie, or there's a movie that has Asians in it that that is a Western made movie, mm-hmm. it always central centers the white guy. Last Samurai, Tom Cruise, Ken Watanabe is the last samurai in that movie, but he's mm-hmm. not on the poster. Tom Cruise is on the poster. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Great Wall, Matt Damon. In what world? I, I, I'm still mad in about what worlds. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it, but um, because it I was interesting. I, I absolutely that CGR, it. but anyways. Um, but you know, in what world does that kind of make sense? So that's one thing that I'm really grateful for. I'm I'm not just grateful, and I and I think it's important. I think it's just as equally important. Um, to show a movie that doesn't have a whole lot of white people in mm-hmm. that is American made as it is to not really have any, like we had one guy. Okay, fine. We had one guy, but he wasn't central to the story in any way, shape or form. He could have been out of it and it, the movie would have been the same. So that means everybody with agency that mattered was an Asian person. And that is way more meaningful. That's actually even something that Black Panther didn't necessarily give us because you have Tim Freeman helping Wakanda. He didn't didn't win it for Wakanda. He didn't have the ideas to win it for Wakanda, but he was a part of it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So even Black Panther that gave us so much Mm -hmm. They still have that guy, that flight that guy. And the thing it's is, coming. that character is important to that world and all that kind of stuff. Okay, fine. Um, and I love him too. Tim Freeman's fine. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what Shang-Chi did, I feel differently. Like uh, Black Panther made me emotional on a level that I, I still can't really fully explain. Mm-hmm. The, the, to see all that Blackness, to see non-colonized Blackness, to see um, Chadwick performing. Uh, uh, God bless him. You know, Angela Bassett, like everybody, there's so much about that movie. I, I can't live without now. Like it needs to be it existing all the time. Uh, Shang-Chi, even though I'm not Chinese, as an Asian American, I'm excited to see a whole movie. And I mean, specifically big mm-hmm. screen, like going to see it in the big screen was important to see that many Asian people on the big screen in a, in a movie in which they are the ones with agency um, was very important to me too. And you know what, for anybody who felt uncomfortable listening to Mandarin, feel uncomfortable, feel uncomfortable. It's fine. You can go two hour movie with five minutes of it mm-hmm. in language and, mm-hmm. and still walk out of the You'll movie. Be fine. <laughs> It's possible. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that I think Shang-Chi gives us that um, that I'm not sure that any other movie really, really had. I'm, they had announced for, for me as a, as a Japanese person, when they announced uh, the 47 Ronin was being made, a, oh. was being made about the 47 Ronin, which is a huge, significant event mm-hmm. in Japanese history. Mm-hmm. Um and then they said Keanu Reeves is going to be in it because they had so many they had so many actual Japanese actors. And I was so excited, especially like Sonata is one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, I adore Sonata. Um, and then they say Keanu's in it. I'm like, OK, OK. You know, and I love 
Keanu. Keanu's one of those people that almost can't do wrong for me. I absolutely adore mm-hmm. him. But he's not mm-hmm. Japanese and he's not. And, and the fact that they created a character and referred to him as a half breed the entire time pissed me off so much mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't necessary to the story. And actually, it's more specific that he is the child of who he is and not some half breed child of who he is, like mm-hmm. to, to the real life event that bothers me. And then I also was mm-hmm. bothered by the fact that they had a like a Chinese dragon woman come in when she wasn't a part of the story in real life like it's basically like taking gettysburg the Mm -hmm. the battle for gettysburg and throwing somebody in it with mystical powers that could just make a magical horse okay essentially what happens so it it doesn't make sense okay it doesn't make sense because it's Mm. a 47 ronin Mm -hmm. is an actual event that occurred in history an actual battle But magically, there was a Chinese lady that had a mess, a mystical dragon that came in and fucked. Like, how did she end up in Japan? <laughs> I think she played a Japanese person. They just hired oh. that, that one actress that is like the Asian actress. If we put an Asian in a movie mm. here, um, I forget her name, but she also was in Memoirs of a Geisha. She was from oh, that lady. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah like they just it was just like you know yeah we're giving you mostly a japanese cast but you can you can have this also but yeah like she conjured a dragon like give me more asian stereotype if you can shang chi also has a dragon but the dragon is integral to the character like it's Mm -hmm. part of how he gets his power and everything like that but they did specifically use a chinese dragon which was good um Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas like in Ronin 47, it was just kind of like an arbitrary hybrid between a Japanese and a, and a Chinese dragon. Cause you know, we have different toe counts and we have different, um, the beard on the Chinese dragon is a lot different than the beard on a Japanese dragon and stuff like that. And it was sort of like a hybrid of those two. It's kind of like when someone says, I really like Asian design. And then you look and you see that they've got like a Chinese, um, like they have like a Japanese wall scroll, but they have like a Chinese, um, design palette or color thing or whatever like they're just like asian <laughs> it's all of the things mm. um that's what they did for ronin so i'm glad that with with um shang chi i don't feel that there was there wasn't anything that really gl- was glaringly mm-hmm. not correctly um asian or specifically mm-hmm. chinese mm-hmm. I, I i feel i don't know um but yeah, Wong, going back to, I guess, the reason why I came up is that he plays a character that <laughs> is like, tell me, tell me that Marco Polo was a bigger influence on the world than Genghis Khan. When literally there's people who get their DNA tested to this day and can find yep. they trace back to mm-hmm. him. That so, region right there. Yep. Let's mm-hmm. calm down, everybody. Um, but I love that actor. I love Bene- Benedict Wong. He's hilarious. I've been watching him and stuff since he was in BBC TV and stuff like that. He he he's great. I love him. Oh, the um half Japanese, half Taiwanese guy, the actor that I really like, his last name is Kinashiro. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we, we actually went over. I thought we we're gonna just talk for a little bit, but I'm just so happy to talk to someone else that would get some of those moments no that are meaningful to me too, as a even though again, this is why I think representation is important. I don't I don't know that it's not more meaningful to me because I'm not mixed Chinese, but as just an Asian American person, it was meaningful to me to see that many Asians on screen Mm -hmm. with agency. And I was excited about it the whole time. Um, Whereas Black Panther, 
even though it's a, a fake African nation, um, there's some Shanti's fake too, but still, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he has his fake. He has a fake nation too. I guess if you think about it, he's got a fake physical realm. Um, the the things that they did in Wakanda spoke very much to those of us who grew up in the African diaspora to a degree. Even though it's a, a non colonized, mm-hmm. isolated place, there were just some moments that just like spoke to to that part of me. Maybe if Shang-Chi was a Japanese character, it might have that same effect. But really, it was the fact that I was seeing Asian people in a Western movie mm-hmm. um, where Asianness was just there. Mm. Like, it didn't matter. I mean, it matters in terms of, like, he's an Asian-American character and he was going to China and he was protecting um, people against this mystical thing that was happening. Crazy looking beast. I don't know what that is. No, yeah, that beast was pretty, yeah, it was <laughs> pretty was. gross. The soul eater thing was pretty gross. Um, but like, he was just a hero. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a hero of just Asia. You know what I'm saying? Like the, what he saved ultimately impacted the entire world, whether people knew it or not. That's important. That, that's an important aspect mm-hmm. of, of uh, Marvel movies, I think, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it wasn't just like every five seconds. It was just like Asian, 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 Asian. You know, like it was just a movie that happened to have Asian people in it. And I, mm-hmm. I I've basically been wanting stuff like that forever. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, yeah. That was fun. So the next one, do you know, you, you probably know this. Um, the Marvels is set to come out. So we'll have Captain Marvel and Mrs. Marvel in that movie. And Mrs. Marvel is uh, a teenage, I think Pakistani, is it Pakistani? Yeah, she, and her name is uh, Kamala Khan. And she mm-hmm. is such a fun character because she is obsessed with superheroes. Mm-hmm. She happens to have become one too, but she is like the biggest fangirl for superheroes. And then she becomes one. Mm-hmm. So every time you introduce her to another band of heroes, even though there's like life is falling apart and we all need to save the world. She's like, Oh my God, Captain America. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she just geeks out totally. And I think it's so cute. It's such, it's such a fun character. Um, and we're also going to have Monica Rambeau, who is the first Captain America Marvel um, in the books, but not in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the first human Captain Marvel, she is going to be in the Marvels as well and reunited with Carol and all that kind of stuff because um, she was the child in the Captain America, Captain Marvel movie, um, but played by Tiana Paris, who is in my top five of people that I am romantically involved in, whether or not she mm. knows it. <laughs> oh, okay. We have a romance. She doesn't know. She hasn't been around, but I love her. Um, yeah, so that that'll be that'll be good. Um, but you know, Gemma, we get Gemma back in um, the Eternals. We also have mm-hmm. Kamali Nanjani, um, who is also Pakistani. Um, there is one other Asian American actor that's in that movie in the Eternals, and I don't know who he's playing. Um, it's not coming to my head right now, but we're but yeah, we're definitely starting to see more, um, more of the diverse characters and 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 quite frankly, characters that are more popular now. Anyway, um, Wakanda Forever is going to introduce Riwi Williams, which is the Ironheart character, and she's a black woman. Um, and 
probably, I don't know for sure, but it's very, it's possible that, that the Spider-Man movies could introduce Silk, which is an Asian, uh, oh. spider character. So is that who I think it is? She's the, is it the Korean girl that in the black suit? She's in all black suit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot, there's so many more options now, especially as they introduce the, the Spider-Verse. And, and since we're going to have the multiverse of madness, we could literally have a Japanese Captain America because variants exist and they can literally throw mm. anything at us. Mm. If we had a crocodile Loki in Loki. Yeah. Yeah. We could have, we could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to catch up on what ifs because Marvel's what ifs that show just came out. I need mm-hmm. to watch that. It comes out on Wednesdays. There are four episodes in so far. The first okay. two episodes I really loved. The third one was okay for me. The fourth one was was fine. I think for me. <laughs> um, the the fourth one was a Doctor Strange story. Oh, um, okay. it's a what if for dr strange and then this one that's coming up i don't know for sure but i think the one that's coming up tomorrow is what if zombies <laughs> basically what if everybody was that is interesting okay yeah, i think so we got enough zombie stories in uh in the mcu so that there, there is a series of books called zombies which basically is all of the marvel characters in a zo- in zombie form like in zombie form or something like that so there there are some um, but really when you get into zombie, if you want like proper zombies, like old zombie stories, you would go into, I think they're called true adventures or something. Okay. Um, they're older, they're older books that keep coming back to let everybody know that they exist and stuff like that. Um, but they, mm-hmm. but when Marvel had their more pulpy stories, pulp fiction stories, um, zombies would have been a part of some of those. I think, I think, okay. mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how to uh, check out your show and um, and how to find you on the interwebs? Sure. So I have a YouTube channel called Naturally Mona Lisa. You can check me out on YouTube. You can also check me out on Instagram and Twitter. Also, the, the handle is Naturally Mona Lisa. Um, why don't you tell everybody what you do on that show? So uh, on YouTube, I talk a lot of different things that means to me. So half of the content is about my journey um, finding products that is good for my skin because I struggle with eczema. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about the different products like hair products, skin products, even cleaning products, perfume, deodorant, period products, you name it, you know, that, um, that doesn't cause any type of reaction for me. So if you struggle with that, check me out. The other half of my content has to do with my mixedness. So most recently I had a video on what's it like being mixed and how do I answer the question, what are you, where you're from, these type of struggles. And I also have a few content in Chinese to um, to address Black Lives Matter in Chinese because we don't got, we don't have enough content in Chinese that stresses that. So I think that's an amazing work and I'm so glad that you do it and I'm so glad to have you in my life and um, I really appreciate you and (laughs) and thanks for coming back on the show thank you Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me Charmaine Fury music is by David Bogan the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship. 
or paypal.me slash militantlymix for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.